Happy New Year. Welcome to 2021. I am the host of the News Story Podcast, Isaac aka Shrek. Welcome to the show. I'm going to let Peter Manning, who left a review for the News Story on Facebook, introduce the show. He says, I've listened to all the podcasts now and left the Matt Tratt tribute interview with Rob till last and have just listened to it today. Basically left speechless and in awe of the strength and emotional hardness that Rob has and the amazing ability to talk about that experience of losing his brother. I've absolutely loved all the podcasts and have taken away something from each and every one. Thanks, Isaac and the Noob Spiro team, you legends. Keep the stories coming, guys, and the Noob Spiro community needs it. Very humbling review. Thanks a lot, Peter. Um, if I didn't say it before, welcome to the show. This is the Noob Spiro podcast where we interview spearfishing experts, authorities, and characters from around the world. Reviews like that are fantastic. Um, before I get into a couple more shout-outs, I, I wanted to introduce today's guest, Josh James, the... The very well-known and regarded Kiwi Bushman, um, Josh James. He's got an awesome YouTube channel and a vibrant Patreon. You can find him at the kiwibushman.co.nz. His channel features his mates and family and the abundant wild food that surrounds him in New Zealand. Um, the channel features catch and cook, bushcraft, hunting, gathering, spearfishing, fishing, archery, and promoting the New Zealand culture. Um, he's a self-professed good vibes and positive vibrations kind of guy. Really loved this interview. I'm hoping the sound quality's up there. As usual, Pat to I, my impact podcasting uh, man, will hopefully... Uh, Tidy it up for us and and this episode will be good. Um, I also wanted to talk about the Spear Junkies. So spearjunkies.com, you can get 11 10-minute episodes of the season one of the Spear Junkies show for $9.97. That's the entire season one for $9.97. Amazing fish, spectacular locations, cool guys, Chris Coates, Barrett Harvey, Chris Dillon, very cool um, some very, very cool action. You're not going to see that anywhere else like um, yeah, really loved it. I'd encourage you to check that out, spearjunkies.com. Also, Callum White uh, recommends the Noob Spiro on Facebook. Also, he says, highly recommend this podcast. The amount of knowledge that you can obtain through this podcast would be sickening. and I love the banter and the diversity of topics uh, discussed. Anton says, dead set pearl of a podcast. Listen to every episode many twice. You boys need to pump out more episodes. Hate having to wait two weeks for a new one. Love all the actionable tips and tricks. Definitely help my diving, which in turn helped get my first kingy and snapper this past New Zealand summer. Plenty of banter, but could possibly do with a few more Aussie jokes, especially coming into rugby season. Sure, boys, keep it up. So thanks for that, Anton. Um, let's get into today's episode. Thanks for the reviews, guys. Absolutely loving the love. If you do want more podcasts... Jump on patreon.com and become a patron listener because we get over a certain threshold. I'm going to start pumping out an episode every week. Anyway, let's hook in. Josh James, Kiwi Bushman. Here we go. This episode of the Noob Spirit Podcast is brought to you by spearfishing.com.au. They've been on board for more than 100 episodes, and I'd love for you to shop at spearfishing.com.au. They have a price beat guarantee, hassle-free returns, flat shipping rates across Australia, and you can save 20 bucks. For every purchase over $200, if you use the code NoobSpero, you save $20. Thanks for supporting the Noob Spiro Podcast and shopping with spearfishing.com.au. Partners of the New Spiro Podcast, Neptonics.com. Neptonics offers the best spearfishing gear, spear guns, carbon fins, spear gun parts, and packages at the lowest prices. Go to Neptonics.com, use the code NOOB10 to save 10% of anything at Neptonics.com. N-O-O-B-1-0. Boom! G'day, Noob Spiro community. 
Today we're welcoming Josh James Kiwi Bushman. He's uh, he's got a mad YouTube channel, and uh, it's good to connect with you, Josh. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Isaac. It's nice to be here, kind of. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about what you do. You've got a you've got a big YouTube channel. You've got a Patreon. How did all this get started, and and what's it all about? Oh, crikey! Uh, I guess it got started about six years ago when I filmed myself trapping possums. I've got a history of whitewater rafting and possum trapping. It's what I've, I've done for a job for over 20 years now. I've travelled around the world rafting and kayaking. And then in the shoulder seasons in New Zealand, I, I've been doing a bit of forestry, mm. uh, a bit of possum trapping, cutting firewood, selling firewood, a bit of carpentry, basically jack-of-all-trades, a bit of yep. white baiting in the springtime bits and pieces to keep me going and then in the summertime I've been rafting and about 10 years ago when I had my family it was getting too expensive to travel overseas in our winter to the mm. northern hemisphere to go rafting so I started possum trapping full-time in the winters about 13 years ago now and uh, that was all going great and I guess the YouTube channel popped up about six years ago uh, yeah as a result of a Possum trapping video I did called The Possum Whisperer. I think you can search that up on YouTube. And yeah, I'll link it up in the show notes for people. Got pretty good reviews, and I thought maybe I could do that for a job and instead of trapping possums, just make videos. Yeah, <laughs> sick. That's awesome. And what, so you, your channel just exploded and a whole, whole bunch of people started sort of finding your stuff? No, it took a while to gain traction. I, first of all, I started sharing on social media and then someone said, well, you need to start a brand. Mm. And so I thought long and hard and asked lots of people about a brand and uh, they eventually settled on the Kiwi Bushmen, which we're actually rebranding the Kiwi Bushmen because there's me and my mates on the YouTube channel and, and they're all Bushmen as well. So yeah. we're, we're in the state rebranding at the moment. And okay. uh, I just started making videos and taught myself how to edit and bought a camera and I've always been handy with a camera, but I haven't done much editing and so I just looked at instructional vids on, on YouTube and a couple of other websites and started sharing my vids on Fish and Hunt Forum, actually. It kind of got me started here in New Zealand, which is a hunting and fishing forum, and I just started sharing videos on that, and then hey, right they on. started sharing it, and it took me about two years of doing it for nothing before I started to get anything from it. So I picked up a sponsorship. Stony Creek gave me a pair of boots. Nice. So, so very much, you know, like a, the hard start, but it's all sort of starting to pay off now, obviously. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a hard start. I, I, oh. I was actually aiming to get my own television show. And you fellas might be familiar with the ITM fishing show and Matt Watson, and that's how him and his mate started. They just picked up a video camera and started videoing their fishing missions, and yeah. I thought, oh, if he can do it, I'll do the same. And it turns out television stations back then didn't want any hunting on TV. It's a bit yeah. different now. There's a bunch of different hunting shows out there, but when I started up, there wasn't really any. I still think television's a, a bit of a dying medium. You know, I think setting up your own thing where you have creative control is uh, is probably the way to go, and, and, and you've done it in style. Um, but you have had a number of television appearances as well now, haven't you? Yeah, I have actually. That was kind of when I got my break, and it was quite encouraging to get the break from the Discovery Channel who picked me up and I, I did a six-part series with them called Kings of the Wild yeah. with an English and, and we travelled all over the world. I had a bow and arrow and a knife and he had a couple of pots <laughs> and we went to 
to different exotic locations and I had to catch it, either shoot it with a bow and arrow or snare it or um, dive for it and uh, he cooked it up. So so that was good. That was that was quite encouraging and then that didn't get a second season, unfortunately. So it oh, was bugger. back to the drawing for my big television career. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's pretty neat. So, like, I mean – one thing I really love about your your channel on a personal level is I grew up in, in Taranaki and, you know, just the fact that we could go, you know, hiking and tramping and hunting and fishing and surfing all sort of, you know, in the same day. And, that, and, and a lot of that stuff was free and accessible when I was young growing up in New Zealand. Now I live in Australia, I kind of look back and I miss a lot of that stuff. And your channel definitely captures the kind of the energy of that. And I, I love that. Uh, I love it for that. Well, yeah, we're pretty lucky in New Zealand to have that, especially where I live on the west coast of the South Island. There's there's so much free shit to do out there, and, and people don't really appreciate what they've got in their backyard. I mean, a lot of people do, but a lot of people don't, and they don't realise that there's fish in the ocean you can harvest, you know, diving. There's really good diving all over New Zealand, actually, and all over the world, and there's hunting up in the mountains, and I basically just videoed my lifestyle and yeah. what I and, and, and whacked it out there for the public to see. I introduced my family after a couple of years, which I wasn't too sure if that was a good thing, but now it's quite popular for him and her and the kids. So hubby and wife can sit down and, and watch me on a weekly basis and they yep. can get the kids. Well, sometimes I have a couple of R18 videos out there where <laughs> I usually, at the end I have a little thing pop up saying, good night, kids, and then I'll put the, the F-bombs and the C-bombs and the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the stuff that wouldn't make the, t- the cut on TV, which is, like you mentioned, it's great to be able to keep control of my creative stuff because I can put basically whatever I want out there within reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's pretty wholesome sort of content as well, you know, like the hunting, you know, just the back-to-basics lifestyle in New Zealand's got an appeal all of its own and some some uh, some rough bush language has, has always got its place, I think. Yeah, we're, we do have a, a bit of a foul mouth, us Kiwis, and the Australians too, mind you, yeah. which is quite hard for the Americans and the, the, the people from the Northern Hemisphere to deal with. I mean, yeah. there's not many places in the world you can be a good um, C word. <laughs> Australia really take the cake as far as yeah. that goes. Yeah, you yeah. say that in the Northern Hemisphere and you probably get punched in the teeth, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I think so. So, you know, you obviously learnt a skill set as you were young, like in terms of hunting and bushcraft and these sorts of things, how did that all start? Who, oh, who... Mate, I'm still learning. <laughs> you yeah, haven't watched yeah. many of my videos, I don't think, hey? I'm, I'm pretty well known for <laughs> up and learning shit the hard way. It's, it's it's just a brutal learning curve life. I mean, I'm 44 yeah. and I quite often wonder when I'm 80, what what am I going to know then that I wish I knew now? You know, it's, it's just, it's. but yeah, I was always learning when I was a kid. I read a lot of books and and try and absorb as much information as I could. Mm. I guess getting kicked out of home when I was 14 years old, that, that editor had to make me sharpen up pretty quick yeah. uh, and, and, and out there and, and, and learn shit. But yeah, I learned a lot of lessons the hard way and I put those lessons on the videos mm. and I think people appreciate that, that, that I do still cock stuff up and I am still learning and I am still an amateur at a lot of things that I do. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, books Books are a big teacher. I, I, I still like reading books, particularly for, you know, new things I'm going to take on. Um, what what books have influenced you? Oh, any any memorable survival. ones stick out? Yep. Oh, the, yeah, the Kiwi, the Kiwi SAS Survival Handbook. Uh, yep. And then there's another, another series of books called Skills of the Australian Bushman. Okay. 
fantastic series of books, and, and a lot of that's self-sustainable living. Yeah, there's a lot of old lost knickknacks in there. Just Kiwi and Australian ingenuity, really. Uh, I think Skills of the Australian Bushman was a really outstanding one when I was a kid. I was right into all of that stuff in there. It's there's a whole series of books actually that that, that are brought out by the same author. Definitely check those out if you if you're into your bushcraft and fixing stuff up with right wire. I think a lot of people that are into spearfishing are kind of share this sort of this this lifestyle where we get out and get back to basics, whether it's in the bush or hunting or you know gathering seafood or, or shooting fish. So there's a lot of parallels as well. What parallels have you found between hunting on land and hunting in in the ocean? Uh, <clears throat> being sneaky, I guess. Mm. Going into stealth mode and, and getting right into the zone. I mean, deer, deer hunting in particular is, is really challenging, especially bow hunting. I, I do a fair bit of bow hunting with a, with a stick bow, with a long bow, and and a, a, you know traditional archery. Yeah, wow. And I think that has a lot of similarities with spearfishing. Mm. You really have to get into the zone. You have to think like the animal. I know spearfishing when you get into the ocean, your mammalian uh, mammalian reflex, yeah, yeah, kicks in, and you, know, you have to turn into a fish basically and really control your breathing and I, so yeah I, I really enjoy spearfishing because it's very similar to bow hunting you really have to get into the zone and and be really stealthy to, to outsmart the fish I mean not all fish fish are a lot easier to shoot than deer but mm. it's, it's just so much fun isn't it mm. Yeah, I like deer shooting as well. I haven't had as much experience doing that as I have had spearing, but and I've never done it with a bow actually. What what made you choose the, the traditional bow over like the more modern compounds bows and stuff? Uh, I actually got a. I used to muck around with a bow and arrow when I was a kid a lot, but I, I, I didn't have any lessons, and I didn't realise you could get really accurate with a traditional bow shooting instinctive. So about six years ago, I got a compound bow. I just wanted a bit more challenge when I was hunting in the raw because it's pretty easy to go out and shoot a roaring stag. And compound bows, they're, they're heavy and they're unwieldy and they've got sights on them and release aids. And it's just, just it was really awkward walking around in the bush. And, and I, I tried it for a while and I just didn't really get into it that much. I mean, it was kind of cool, but it was like using a really technical rifle. Yeah. And then someone said, you should try a traditional bow. And a guy, Sam Harrison, actually, He's in a lot of my vids now. He just emailed me out of the blue and said, oh, can I make you a bow? And I said, yeah, all right then. And he made me a bow and he gave me a couple of resources as far as traditional and instinctive archery went. And I didn't realize that, that you don't actually think about where you're aiming when you're lining up an animal. You just look at the place that the arrow hits and your subconscious does everything else for you. And it's mm. almost like you magic the arrow where it needs to go. Mm. It's um. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty neat. It's, it's almost like a, a form of magic, really. Mm. So in order to get that um, instinctive feel for your bow, does it involve a lot of target practice? Yeah, a lot of target practice. It's all muscle memory. and Your, your subconscious remembers the distance, and if there's a slight breeze on your left cheek, your subconscious takes that into account. If it's a slight uphill or a slight downhill slope, your subconscious takes all that into account. So you don't have to think about anything. All you have to do is focus on where you want to hit that animal, draw and release and your subconscious takes care of everything else it's 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 so suitable for hunting because you don't have to range the animal or worry about wind or uphill distances or how far away the animal is you just look at it let the arrow go and it just 
awesome. <laughs> Come on, spearing a fish, you know, you don't yeah. think about how far away that fish is or which way the current's going. You just look at the fish and you just lift the gun up and you don't really even aim. You just have the gun in front of you and you squeeze the trigger and, and the gun and the spear does all the rest. It's very similar to, to shooting a fish with a spear, instinctive archery. Mm-hmm. What's your effective range with that? Oh, That's about just an estimate. Feet. <laughs> I don't know, probably out to, I like to be within 20 metres, but I have shot animals out 35, 40 metres. I didn't realise it was that long until after the shot, and I've missed a few animals at that distance too. But, yeah, 20 to 30 metres, I guess. I, I like to get real close and make sure the animal's broadside before I let an arrow go. Yeah, right, eh? Depends out what you practice. If I practice 50, 60 metres all the time, then mm. I'd probably be quite comfortable shooting out that far, but I don't practice shooting that far enough. Occasionally when I'm target practicing, I'll shoot longer distances. But And so what about spearfishing down there in the southwest uh, of New Zealand? Like you're dealing with pretty cold water and uh, and some people would, would, would maybe accuse the place of not having a, a broad diversity of different fish species to hunt. No, it doesn't have a great diversity. It's mainly just butterfish and blue cod and tarakihi. There's, yep. there's, there's not a, oh, the old kawai. There's a few kingfish kicking around, but I haven't actually figured out where they hang out on a regular basis to be able to spear them. Mm. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly not the most exciting place to go spearfishing compared to the North Island where there's such a huge variety of fish that you can go and, and chase. Mm. But it's still good to get a feed of butterfish. You know, butterfish is one of the only fish that improves in flavour when you freeze it. There's not many fish out there that you can chuck in the freezer and taste better when they come back out. But yeah, it's nice to be able to. And it's pretty easy to get a feed of butterfish down here. There's so much cow, it's, it's, and they're really easy to shoot. You don't have to be smart to shoot them. So I take the kids out and they can float around shooting butterfish and spotties and stuff. And yeah, it's just a. So what does your what does your spearfishing look like now? Like when you when you go for a day or an afternoon or a morning of spearfishing, what what's the sort of the the plan? You're diving off a boat. Um, what are you what are you chasing? Yeah, mate, it's all boat actually. There's a couple of spots you can get to from the shore down here, mm. but really to get to the good stuff, you've got to you've got to have a boat to get to where the good crayfish and power are. You you can go out from the shore in a few spots, but there's only a couple of places where the road goes close to the ocean. So they get they get fairly hammered. You can still get a feed, a couple of crays, the odd yellow for par and spare a couple of butters. But when you've got a boat, oh, man, the access is, is unreal. Nine times out of ten, we can park the boat at a spot and we can pull up a crayfish from directly under the boat. Yeah, righto. That goes all right, eh? Far out. Pretty good. And you've got some awesome vids online where you sort of go hunting and, and, and fishing and diving all at the same time down in, in Fiordland, yeah? Yeah, I've been to Fiordland a few times and videoed it. It's, it's yeah. a pretty magical spot down there. Mm. So what's the sort of a, a trip look like in, in there? Like um, how long are you spending in there? How do you get in there? And what are you taking with you? Well, it's pretty epic. I've only been in there a couple of times. I've been into Dusky Sound and uh, Milford Sound. I had not been down the southwest corner yet down to – down to uh to dusky doubtful sound so i've been at the doubtful sound a few times dusky sound is really where it's at because it's really inaccessible to get into dusky you can get into doubtful it's a bit of a mission you have to boat across a lake and then pay 800 bucks to get a shuttle over a mountain pass down <laughs> into the fjord so yeah, it's, right it's fairly expensive you know don't come back with much change out of three thousand dollars really for a for a 10-day expedition into fjord and Okay. And if, if you've got your own boat, and then there's charter options too. 
it's almost better taking the charter option because it's about two and a half to three grand and then you get to stay on board a really big boat and you can fly into Dusky Sound, which is it's much better than Doubtful. Doubtful Sound gets a bit of a hiding these days. Okay. It used to be people coming. All right, cool. And, and what are some of the things that people can expect to sort of do and see and experience uh, in, in, in Dusky? Well, there's, there's crayfish and power year-round. Uh, there's blue cod and harpooka. February, there's a bluefin tuna run. So I think when I go back there, I'll be going back in February to target some bluefin tuna. Is it doesn't have that much more on Jackson's Bay or that southwest coast, which is where I live. There's a lot more dare in Doubtful Sound and in Dusky Sound. That's the advantage of going down there. The bush hunting's really good. Uh, south, they use so much 1080 here that the, the, the deer really take a hammering. I mean, there's still deer here, but not, not the numbers that there are in Fiordland. So just for like international listeners, um, can you explain the kind of the 1080 situation? I know it's a bit of a, a shit fight conversation, but um, oh, yeah. It's and- a shit fight conversation. It's, it's, it's a poison that the government uses to try and kill all mammals basically because we only had dolphins and bats were, were our only native mammals before people got here and the rats and the possums and the deer and the tar and the chamois, they're all getting out of control, the hedgehogs. And the government's spreading this poison around to kill all the animals, but there's a bit of a problem because it really hammers the deer. And when a rat population is exposed to a poison and they start dying, what happens is the rats have much larger litters and they breed uh, a lot quicker or they have more litters than they normally would. I think Mm. it's three times more litters than they normally would if the population's put under pressure. So the 1080 works really good. It knocks the rats back knocks the possums, it's really hard on deer, kills a lot of deer, but then the rats breed twice as fast and have really big litters. So the rat population bounces back really quickly and it's the rats that eat the birds' eggs and that's what they're trying to to kill, the rats and the ferrets and the stoats to save our native birds and the possums and the deer because they eat the forest. And it's, it's, it's just a... It's a really bad poison. I think it would work, it would be effective if they used the poison all over the country consecutively year after year after year but New Zealand's such a big place it's too expensive for them to do that because they need helicopters to spread the poison around so they're just spreading a little bit here and then they spread a little bit over there then five years later they'll come back and do it again and it's and the bird life's still declining the the bush is growing really well because they're killing all the deer and the possums but our bird life is really going downhill quickly Uh, yeah right eh? Is there any other solutions that have been proposed that well, you're aware of? I've actually proposed a solution. I think landlocked reserves, similar to a marine reserve, where they throw everything they have at one catchment in different regions of the country. So they choose a, catch, a catchment, say they've got one or two catchments here on the west coast and one on the east coast and one in Northland or a couple in Southland, kind of like landlocked marine, uh, land reserves mm. for the birds to breed up. And they 1080 every year. They put ground control in. They put self-baiting south-setting gas traps in there and they just throw everything they've got at these areas and then leave the rest of the country. And I think that would be very effective. I think it would keep the hunters happy. It would definitely save our bird life. But mm. as of yet, they haven't really implemented that strategy. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. What about in terms of, um, you know, the, the marine environment in terms of like, uh, you know, seeing adequate numbers of, you know, your target species and, you know, your crayfish and your and your power and stuff like that. How, what's that like down in your part of the world? Is it is it? Well, 
we're getting thrashed over here. New Zealand's supposed to have the leading quota system. There's a really good documentary called The Price of Fish, and I really encourage everybody who is a fisherman to watch it. It's fantastic. It really out it outlines the problem with the commercial fishing industry in New Zealand and our quota system. We've got a lot of offshore companies, Russians and Chinese, coming in and buying quota and catching fish in our fisheries. Now, what happens in New Zealand, if you catch a fish that's not on your quota, you have to pay a penalty and you have to declare that fish. So if you don't want to pay a penalty, what you do is you just dump the fish over the side and you don't declare it. And I've noticed all over New Zealand and places I've been fishing for over 30 years, the fish life's declining rapidly. It's a real shame. It's, this is happening all over the world, not in New Zealand. It's a known fact that the fishing is going downhill. And a lot of reason, the main reason for that is the technology creep. The technology on the boats is getting so good now with the fish finders mm. that they know where all the fish are and the methods of catching fish are improving. Those massive super trawlers, they, they drag a, a net that's like 10 times as, as large as a football field, which is ridiculous. It's huge. And it, ruins the, all the corals on the bottom and it's um it's a real shame actually it's going downhill there's like a few places in New Zealand where they don't commercial crayfish anymore because the crayfish has just been wiped out and our inshore fish are heading that way I do a lot of fishing in the Hokitika Trench which is 60 kilometers offshore on the west coast here and last year and this year uh, the hokey boats didn't catch their quota. And it's a breeding ground for hokey. And hokey is one of the main seafoods in New Zealand that is pushed as a sustainable fish. So they say hokey is the most sustainable fish we catch, and yet the main breeding ground in the Hokitika Trench is getting wiped out, which is a real shame. So they know it's bad. Uh, the Price of Fish, which is Legacy, which is a, an organisation here in New Zealand, they've got a solution for it. Buy the quota back off the big corporate entities and sell it back to the fishermen. And that's the problem. It's just big money. Uh, it's, it's, it's a real shame. And people need to wake up. Everyone knows, everyone knows that the fishing industry is in dire straits, but nothing is being done about it. It's really frustrating. Uh, money talks, eh? Yeah. Yeah. It, sometimes it, you know, it create you know, like a market economy can can, can create, you know, really cool solutions as well. But um, every now and then, it, you know, they get we get caught in a loop, and uh, that endless growth mentality, and and there are there are some inherent problems with it. I'll, I'll check out that um that documentary. So the price of fish. I'll link that up in today's show notes. So it'll be newspirit.com forward slash Josh James, and uh, anything else we chat about as well. Equalizing, breath hold, relaxing, taking on depth. There's a ton of struggles every spiro encounters. Every single person that does spearfishing has an obstacle. They have something that they're working on. They're always trying to get better. For me, uh, at the moment, it's marksmanship. It's improving my aim. I don't, I don't like wounding fish. But if you are looking at the freediving side of things, you have either equalizing issues, you want to extend your breath hold, you have trouble relaxing, you don't know how to take on depth. These are very common. And Ted Hardy from Immersion Freediving has put together a whole bunch of offerings for you. Check it out, newspirit.com forward slash Ted. There's a whole bunch of these uh, online courses that can be studied at your own pace from your phone if you like, and uh, you can overcome your struggles. Just check it out, newspirit.com forward slash Ted. Simple, accurate, deadly. Use the code NOOB, N-O-O-B, and save $30 on any spear gun for a limited time only. Go to killshotspearguns.com, check them out for yourself. Handmade in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin. Use the code NOOB, N-O-O-B, or head into the shop and say, Crikey, mate. And apparently Ed will hook you up with a $30 discount on any timber spear gun. Get your hands on one, killshotspearguns.com. 
Upgrading your fins is something that I think every single Sparrow goes through within their spearfishing journey. And today's sponsor, Penetrator Fins, have been around for a long time. They've got a lot of proprietary technology goes into their fins, and what that means is that Larry at Penetrator has produced a set of fins that are second to none. And Penetrator Fins back this up with a beyond industry standard warranty. They've got a three-year warranty against breakage on any composite blades and a one-year warranty on carbon fiber blades. There's a baby's bum finish. There's no friction here. These fins are immaculate for getting you to glide through the ward with maximum economy. If you pair a penetrator fin up with a good foot pocket too, you, you're going to have a much different experience spearfishing. You're going to be able to go further and longer, and you're also going to have a lot less fatigue at the end of the day. Check them out, penetratorfins.com. Use the code name Spiro. The other thing I wanted to chat with you about was 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 growing this 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 YouTube channel. So at the moment, what are your kind of your strategies for for growing this community that you've built? Well, I think I've got to get into more bushcraft and survival. I do a lot of hunting and fishing. I do a lot of gardening, and I had the wife and kids on there as well. So it's it's appealable to all audiences. Yeah. And I start to I've started to film other adventures as well, but a motorbike and then there's some dirt bikes and road bikes and basically just what I get up to on a regular basis to try and draw in more people, not only the hunters and the fishermen, but just your average Joe Blogs who, who really doesn't realise that the stuff we get up to on the West Coast is is, is quite unique. And it's different to, to most other parts in the world. I've got quite a few patrons actually that, that uh, have joined my Patreon from overseas who have never been to New Zealand and they're just fascinated by the lifestyle we live over here. Mm. It's, it's backwards. It's uh, it's quite self sustainable. Yeah, which you know, I think people who live in the big city they can live vicariously through my shoes because they can't come to New Zealand and live on the west coast and do what I do because they're all doing what they do in the big city. So yeah. I'm very blessed and very fortunate to be able to do what I do for a living. Yeah, love it. So out in the water, um, you've spent. Uh, when did fishing start for you? Or when did and when did spear fishing start for you? Um. I used to do a lot of snorkeling when I was a kid, mm. and I really looked up to my uncles who are spear fishermen. But I come from quite a poor family, so we I couldn't really afford a spear gun. I didn't have the resources like yep. people do now do now to make one. You know, we've got this device that has everything possibly known to man that sits in the palm of our hands. I didn't have that when I was a kid. No one else did either. We just had to look in books and make stuff up. So. Yep. It's relatively easy to make a spear gun these days. You just jump on YouTube and, and get into it. So I didn't really get into spear fishing until about seven, eight years ago, okay. I guess, uh, when I moved to the – well, I was living on the coast for a while, but where I lived there's not many places to go snorkeling, not mm. local anyway. I have to travel for three to four hours to get down to where the spear fishing's good. So I went snorkeling a few spots up and down the coast and – didn't really see anything good. It was really murky. The viz was crap. And then a friend of mine invited me out, a fellow called Baden, and uh, I didn't realise that just three hours drive south, there was some fantastic spearfishing to be had. So as soon as I went out with him and, and saw the abundance of marine life, I thought, that's it. I'm going to get myself a spear gun. And uh, I was into it and, yeah, I was having a good old time. I did a wee bit of Hawaiian slinging when I was a kid, yep. just with a homemade one, just with a bit of, uh, of rubber inner tube, bike inner tube, and then a, a homemade just with a big sharpened nail on it, but you know, I was just shooting spotties and clownfish and stuff like that. We weren't really targeting any 
fish that was a delicacy. So eight years ago, you, you've you've got into it and um, been in a position to start getting some equipment for yourself. What were some of the struggles you had? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Mainly just getting to finding spots. I think I floated around for a couple of years on and off just shooting clownfish and, and random bits and pieces and, until I really got into it uh, yep. and then discovered the, the abundance of fish down in South Westland and Oh, I lost, I've got a few videos out there. I think I lost a snorkel on one video and I dropped my spear gun on another. And <laughs> Yep. These are all pretty normal was, things, uh, eh? Yeah, you know, normal shit like that. Losing my fins. I still lose my fins occasionally. I'll drop a fin or whatever or get rolled in the surf and, yep. and a fin gets off and I'll lose that. And I think that's just part and parcel with, with, with going spear fishing is you lose shit occasionally. Knives, I don't know how many bloody knives I've lost down there. GoPros mm. floating away and... But it's mainly the weather that's the main obstacle in, in the West Coast here. It's just rough as guts all the time. So when it comes clear, have to drop tools and go. And a lot of my friends work real jobs and they can only go on the weekend. So yeah, a lot of the times I find myself actually out there solo, just going for a wee mission. It's great having the kids now because I can just take them out of school and drag them along with me, but I can't really drag my mates yeah. away from their jobs. To- yeah, yeah. Um so what about the freediving breath hold side of things? Um, the cold can be a real prick when you're trying to relax and get you know get your breath hold under control. It's cold down there. Yeah, it takes a while to, to, to get used to it, but it's mainly only cold on the face. The wetsuits are so good these days and not what they used to be. You know, with these open cell foam wetsuits, they're, they're really fantastic and it doesn't take long to, to adjust to it. It's, it's mainly the face and then your face freezes and goes numb and, it, and it's good as gold. <laughs> Love it. What about um, – what about funny stuff? Like, um, have you had anything just crack you up out spearfishing? Nah, not really. I have to say I was pretty ignorant to, uh, to to blackout, to shallow water blackout. I had no idea what shallow water blackout was until I started making these videos and someone, com- someone commented on the video and mentioned shallow water blackout and, oh, what the hell is that? So I did a bit of research and I'm pretty lucky that me and my mates haven't passed out previous because you know what it's like when you're getting a crayfish and there'll be a big buck cray right at the back of the crack and you you get down you try to wrestle him out and he's stuck in there and you get up and have a quick couple of breaths and then back down there again and yeah it's I, I had no idea that you you should spend twice as much time up top as you do down the bottom we me and my mates and we, you know one of us would go one way and the other guy would go a couple of hundred meters the other way there was none of this diving and pear shit we just kind of spread out and it'd be a free-for-all and, and good luck and yeah we'll see you back at the bloody boat or, or back on shore in, in an hour or so and we were yeah. looking out for each other and yeah so that was a bit of an eye just as, as to how dangerous Spear fishing can be if you don't know what you're doing and you're not keeping oxygen levels in your blood up. So, someone commented on one of your YouTube videos and it was a helpful comment for a change. That would have been a surprise to you. I don't know. Maybe your videos are different. You get a lot of good comments, but um, sometimes you you get these. Um, I don't know. You get greenies and bloody, you know, people that just don't really understand the hunting and fishing lifestyle. They get on there and want to, you know spread their propaganda. Um, yeah, you're... we do, actually. I get a fair bit of that. I get a lot of couch experts, too. People, people, there's one way to skin a cat and and, a, and the only way is their way, and I'm a little bit like that myself, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get yeah. a lot of couch experts, and I do get a, a lot of negative comments and people having a go at me, but I just try to handle it like a gentleman. And I used to get quite fired up, actually, when someone commented on one of my vids, I'd get, I'd get my hackles would get up and, my poor old ego would take a bit of a hit, but now 
uh, they don't need to get, get get to me. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, and I'm an opinionated bastard myself. And everyone else is entitled to their opinion. And if they want to have a go at me, fair call. You know, I stick my neck out a lot, so it's only fair that people take the odd swing at me, try to chop my head off. So <laughs> I don't begrudge them that. I just try and handle it like a gentleman. And if it's a particularly nasty comment, I'll just delete it. Or one of my viewers will give them shit for me. Usually, I don't even have to worry about it. Yeah, I do like that when you, you know, when you got a tribe of people that you know just enjoy what you do. That they, they're generally the first people to get in and stick up for you. So, yeah, yeah all a- that. And the buggers out there that like to leave negative comments, they obviously have have quite a. Well, they believe that they are right, and I think if I was, I was in their shoes, I'd probably think and feel exactly the same way. So it depends on what situation they are brought up in and where they're living and, and their beliefs and all the rest of it. So, yeah, I, I don't mind too much if people have a bit of a nig. No, nah, all good. It's good engagement. Um, and uh, let's be honest, uh, the, the, the small percentage generally, you know, but it's funny how when you do start putting stuff out, like someone always wants to get up and chop you down. I, I think it does put off a few people from um, from creating it's cool a, shit. It's a real shame for our, for our younger our younger folks these days, you know. People can be really nasty on social media and these kids at high school aren't really being taught how to deal with that. And all it takes is for some kid to draw a picture or, make a video or sing a song and put it online and some dickhead out there gives him shit and it ruins his hopes and dreams. Yeah. So I say if you're getting the hate messages, then you've cracked it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah good, good shit. They get that right up to give you a bit of shit and you're making some waves and keep keep nudging it. You know? it means you're making stuff and doing stuff and not just sitting there and, you know, commentating on shit. So it's good. Um, well, that's that's good that, you know, someone got on and, and, and told you about Shallow Water Blackout. Um yeah, what, what other sort of um, things have you learned since you started spearing eight years ago? Earlier you talked about, you know, the stealth hunting and you've you probably got a lot of parallels between that and your, and your hunting on land. Um, what about equipment and stuff? Have you have you got your head around all the gear? Oh, I'm slowly getting there. I've learned to, to put a, a cable tie on the D-shackle on the anchor chain so your yeah. boat doesn't float away. <laughs> uh, that was- <laughs> Luckily, your boat didn't end up on the rocks. I've seen it floating towards the rocks and managed to, to grab it back. Uh, oh, yeah. Make sure if you've got a live anchor, the anchor's set, you know, put your anchor down, dive down, check the anchor if there's no one on the boat, make sure it's not going to drag chain. Yeah. Uh, it took me a while to learn that, actually, a couple of times before I learned that. So yeah, nice. To check the bloody anchor and make sure it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, baby oil in the mast. That was that was quite a cool little trick. Baby oh, oil in the tip to stop it fogging up. Okay. It's so cold over here, right? You jump in the water and your bloody mast fogs up. Yeah, and, right. Uh, in the summertime, because we got winter wet suits, it can get quite hot and the mast fogs up again. It's a vicious circle. So, yeah, a bit of baby <laughs> oil and, and the mask helps helps immensely. Oh, Vaseline on the mustache. It took me a while. I'd just have a couple of dives and empty my mask out and someone said, put bloody Vaseline on your mustache. And, yeah, that was that was good to know. You, you, you're the same, Isaac. You've got a dirty great beard. You'd probably Vaseline up before you got in the water, eh? Oh, I just, I've actually found a mask and I, I just shaved the, you know, the top half of the old mo, and then um, that seems to get me by. But, oh, um, just done the mo's. Yeah, just just half half a mo. But, um, That's a very distinguished look too, isn't it? That's what they did in the old days. They shaved the top half Dirty Sanchez moustache. Do you look a bit dodgy though when you shave it like that, or oh, not really? No, no one's ever accused me of being distinguished before. Well, let's put it that oh, way. Well, I think you look very distinguished, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, out of you. Yeah, perfect. Um, so, well, I mean, what about your equipment these days? What are you using, like in terms of a gun and your suit and all the rest of it? Oh, bloody hell! It's pretty rungy, actually. Um, I've got 
two fins that are different brands. I don't even know what brand they are. <laughs> my wetsuit's got holes and shit all over it. You think I'd have a wetsuit sponsor by now? Actually, yeah. Bo Chat, Bo said they were going to sponsor me. Then they never got back to me, and I didn't bother chasing it up because then uh. I have to put their brand all over my bloody videos. So it's easier to just buy shit than have sponsors. Yeah, um, actually, splash. I've got a splash spear fishing wetsuit, and that's a pretty good brand. I've had it for five years now, and it's still going strong. Got a few holes, I just sew them up and slap some wetsuit stuff in there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have a – I think I've got a Rob Allen spear gun and oh, I've got my spear guns in the shed here and the kids' ones. What's the other one? The bloody Rob Allen and a, um, oh, two Rob Allens. Yeah. Three Rob Allen spear guns. There you go. They're pretty good. Just replace the rubbers every now and then. Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, That's I don't right. think gear matters that much. I mean, it's good to have good gear, gear that doesn't shit out, and I think I'm definitely going to invest in some – some different different fins. What do you use? What kind of fins do you use? Oh, there's a local company here. Um, this guy Larry makes them. It's uh, he's been making them for years. It's called Penetrator Fins, and um, oh, yeah. yeah, he's an awesome bugger. And uh, I was just down at his shop the other day and uh, and chatting. They actually they make a, a custom set based on a design we gave them a few years ago. So, and he's just a really just a good dude. I like buying local stuff. It's the same in New Zealand, though. Like, there's some awesome local spearfishing brands there, you know? Like, you've got Ocean Hunter and Weddy, and those guys make some pretty cool shit considering, you know, they're just a, they're a small Kiwi-based company, and really, like, New Zealand's a pretty small country, and considering the size of their market, they make some pretty cool gear. Yeah, Weddy's so. pretty good. My kids have got Weddy wetsuits, so I think they're the, one of the only brands that make wetsuits for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same Penetrator, as Penetrator Fins. I'll get a hold of that bloke. I'm all about supporting small business and yes, the so fins. I've, they fall off I'll, all the time. I'll give you his number after the show and um, look at look him up. But yeah, no, he's a good bugger, and he's a he's a fiery, you know, emergency services fella, man after my own heart. So yeah, it's it's, it's good. Um, yeah, that's cool. Oh, also, it sounds like you, you, you know, you, you're not diving with the best gear that you can, um, that you can get hold of by any means. But you, you love, you love spearing. That comes through in the videos you make. So, yeah, I've never mm. been much of a gear freak. I, I always got away with an open sight three hundred three, a pair of gumboots, and a wool shirt, swan dry. <laughs> and it wasn't until I started the YouTube channel and and Stony Creek and other companies started giving me gear that mm. I realised just how good equipment is these days and uh, I'm a bit of a gear freak now actually <laughs> so I get given so much crap and I give so much of that stuff away that, that I, I, oh, it's, I've got gear coming out of my ears I really need a bigger shed yeah nice well that's a good place but to be in can't beat the equipment these days and Jesus it's just getting better and better and better isn't it yeah, it's unbelievable 100%, 100%. and um, what do you what are you hunting with like when you go shooting deer now are you still using open sight 303 or have you have you gone up oh, have the open sight 303. I'll occasionally knock a deer over with that, but uh, yep. I've got a uh, 7mm red mag as my gun oh, of choice. Yeah, nice. yep. And then when I'm meat hunting, I use a 223. But yep. the good thing about a bigger caliber like the 7mm or those magnum calibers is you just have to hit the animal. Hmm. I can be a bit of a shit shot sometimes, and, and I actually lost the deer just last night with my 223. I, I pegged, I tried to shoot it through a gorse bush, and I hit the gorse bush and oh, hit yeah. the animal, but the bloody deer ran off, and I never found that. I found a bit of blood. Oh, and if that was rim mag, you know, the deer would be on the ground. So, I um, yeah, I'd usually take the 7mm rim mag out. And we've got the 223 for the kids. But, uh, yeah, make sure that we get close before the kids shoot them so we don't wound animals. Yeah. Are the open sites good for, like, spotlighting at night, are they? Uh, they're just good for bush hunting when you're yeah. real close up and, and yeah. you can, you know, you spook an animal and it starts running, you can just wick up the open site and shoot Boom. them on the run. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, love it. Yeah, I miss I miss the lifestyle to be honest. Um, you know where I am in Brisbane, there's some good red deer hunting. Um, out, but you've you got to get on private property. There's no public land hunting here, and you know it's just the resources a lot. You know, like it's a it's a it's a further drive. You know, you've got to drive out there. You've got to know the people. You got to pay the money. The licenses is a bit harder to get hold of here. Although I'm sure it's tightened up in New Zealand since the bloody Christchurch drama. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a different it's a different way of doing things here than it is in New Zealand. So here, like a lot of the time, it's just it's geography that sort of stops you from doing everything you want to do. You know, everything's so far away. Like people think, oh, you're in you're in you're in the city, you got everything there. But it's you know to go hunting, it's at least a two or three hour drive. To go spearfishing, it's a it's an hour drive, and then it's an hour in the boat. You know, so it, it all takes time. You know, what's the spearfishing like over there? Is it pretty good around Brisbane? Bloody good, um, but. You know, like the diving's quite challenging, and it's quite difficult to learn. A, a lot of the good, the good spearfishing starts in about twenty meters. You know, there are some spots oh, okay. that are yeah, kind of 10, 10 meters is probably you, you know your minimum stuff, and um and yeah, so it's it's quite hard to get started. And um, obviously, when you're inexperienced and you don't have a boat or a lot of money, it can be really hard to meet people and make those connections. So yeah, it's but it's fun, and there's there's so many different species here. You know, so it's yeah. When you get out and when you get good, it's it's bloody awesome. But yeah, the the learning curve is, I think it's even worse than New Zealand. Yeah, we're pretty lucky. Yeah, there's so so many fish just in the shallow. Or we can just float around on the surface and shoot butterfish from the surface over here, and you don't really need to get deep down on the west coast, which is good for the kids because it gets them into it. You know, they get out there when they're young and they can actually shoot fish instead of splashing around and just watching everyone else shoot. So it's uh yeah, it's got to get a real good buzz out of taking my kids out and. And they love it, you know, floating around shooting fish all day. Yeah. There's a couple of kids down on the opposite side to you. They're in Omaru and um, they've got a, a page there, Spiro Kids NZ, and they're only young fellas. I think they got started at 8 and 10. Just interviewed them and, and, and their experience getting started over there. They're just frothing on it. I, I love to see the energy. You know, it's, it's so good watching kids connect with the natural environment. I'll check those guys out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll link it up in today's show notes as well. But, um, so, like with your with your spearing, have you got any particular species that are on your hit list? Like you want to, you know, they're the next thing for you to have a look at. Like maybe well, a big. Yeah, I've never shot a kingfish actually. I, I don't think they're particularly hard to shoot. You just got to go over where the, where the kingies are. We've got the bluefin tuna off the west coast of the South Island here, and I really want to knock one of those. But mm. I haven't even had a chance to chase them this winter because it's been rough as guts. I just got a, a new boat from my boat sponsor, DNA Boats. Okay. It's a six point three meet a hardtop with twin engines on, twin Honda 90s on the back. and oh, that's I terrible. Trench yet because it's just been rough as guts. And, and that protects the fishery over here. But, yeah, I really want to shoot a bluefin tuna and, man, the window's running out. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that, my- that's probably number one on my hit list is, is, is knock a big bluefin, one of the northern Pacific bluefins, you know, the massive ones. Those things can get up 500 kg. Um, well, you Rob Allen will do it to a, maybe the hundred kg mark. I don't. I think you might have to power something up if you want to shoot one of the big fellas. Yeah, I've got a I've got a friend of mine who's got a couple of big guns that I can borrow, and um, we're just waiting for a weather window, and we're going to go out and have a crack at them. Yeah, nice. You'll have a ball with that. And um, the kingies can be fun. The, the the biggest problem I find with those big fish is just the excitement. Like it's too hard to just slow down, and you get that you know like big buck fever. And uh, you know, you just bugger a couple up before you you relax enough to shoot one. Yeah, well, that's a, that's. I'm a bit wary of that actually being offshore at night in the dark with sharks and shit around and 
<laughs> yeah, I've certainly been thinking about that a lot, getting in the water, and these things move quite quick, but we've got a bit of a plan. We're just going to go out there behind the trawlers and burly off the back of the boat and hopefully, yeah, be able to knock one. We'll, we'll see. We've got to get out there first. Mm, awesome. Hey, Josh, um, I'm conscious of time, and I've, but I've had a really awesome chat with you today. Where, where can people come and find you online? Oh, if they just search for uh, Josh James, Kiwi Bushman, I guess, or Josh James Adventure Vlogs, or I've yeah. got a website too, the kiwibushman.co.nz. Uh, yeah, if you just search Josh James New Zealand, I'll pop up and, and you can have a look at my YouTube videos and I'm on the Instagram as well, the Kiwi Bushman on the old gram there. And cool. Do, do bits and pieces on that. I'll, I'll link all of your socials up uh, at noobspero.com forward slash Josh James so people can come and um, connect with you everywhere. But um, I love your channel, Josh, and I hope you guys keep keep doing what you're doing. And um, I'm, it's going to be cool as your kids get older as well and they, they start hunting, you know, more and more and bigger and better stuff. And But the, the, I think the stoke and the energy is what, what keeps me coming back. It's not necessarily about shooting trophies or anything like that. It's just about um, living that lifestyle and, and you, you definitely represent it, man. Oh, yeah, just get off the couch. Eh? I'm all about encouraging people to, to go do stuff and if they get a bit bored, just get out there in the backyard and build a bivy or maybe go hunt some snails or something, you know. It's it's, it's pretty addictive, isn't it, when you start hunting and fishing and then you start getting food or just, you know, going and sparing a fish and cooking a fire on the beach and eating it. it, it it's back to basic stuff. It, mm. it, I think it's very good for the soul. Yeah, awesome. All right, Josh. Well, cool, man. Awesome chatting with you today. Cheers, Isaac. Hopefully meet you one day when you're over here, mate. Look me up. This episode of the New Sparrow Podcast is brought to you by the world's greatest spearfishing magazine, Spearing Magazine. There are news and reviews for the latest spearfishing equipment and gadgets inside. There's practical how-to and DIY type articles. There's spearing adventures from crazy noobers like you from all over the world. And uh, it's, it's a magazine that you can pick up or you can look at. And if you've got the digital subscription, you can flick through and let it inspire your next spearfishing adventure even if you're having a dry run, keep the stoke alive. Check it out at spearingmagazine.com. If you're away from the good old USA, though, check out the international subscription. That's at spearingmagazine.com. Hey, guys, a little bit something different today. Uh, the Kiwi Bushman, Josh James, absolute champion of a bloke. Really loved catching up with him and meeting him. Uh, I hope one day I can catch up with him in person over there in NZ. But uh, in two weeks, I'm off to chat with an with a with a salty old sea dog his name's mick mcdade he's been uh, the records keeper for the um, australian underwater federation queensland for decades and um we get i actually go and interview him in his place and check out some of the fish mounts i think he has more than 300 on his walls they every sort of corner of the place wait till you see the show notes for next uh the next episode anyway mick mcdade in two weeks again if you want more episodes jump on patreon.com forward slash noobspero become a patron listener and let's let's start doing an episode every week if you can i'm up for it anyway shrek out have you ever wanted to slay fish with a weapon of your own creation Good news for you, episode 123 of the Noob Spiro podcast with Ed Martin from Killshot Spear Guns lays out the pattern and the plan to help you build your own weapon of death uh, and lay waste to fish with something with your own maker's stamp on it. And along with that, go to 
today's major sponsor website, neptonics.com. Go to the Speargun Builder page and select your components to build that magical weapon and use the code NOOB10 to save a further 10% off on anything in your shopping basket. So visit neptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off store-wide. Interesting message today if you are a budget-conscious Sparrow. Head to spearfishing.com.au, go to the clearance tab. There's a whole bunch of magic deals and bargains in there. Use the code NOOBSPARROW to save a further $20 on every purchase over $200. That's right, spearfishing.com.au, clearance tab, you'll thank me later.